Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. On this week's episode, Pastor Jaina finishes off our series asking us, are we an Acts Church? So we're continuing on in our series on Acts. Are we an Acts Church is a question that's been raised, and this is our fifth week, and if you remember the first week we talked about baptism, the Holy Spirit, and Acts 1 and 2, and then the next two weeks I went through the miracles and what God, how God moved in the supernatural chapters 3 through the rest of the Acts, and it took a lot of information in a short amount of time, and Pastor Chris last week went on showing us like the difference, like we don't want to be like an Athens church, we want to be like the Acts church, and it was such a good word. So this week, I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit as they were opened up and unleashed on the body of Christ and axed, and we're going to, the understanding is more in Corinthians, so today we're going to be in Corinthians and Acts, but um, I want to just, you know, kind of put a groundwork for it. So we're going to go into 1 Corinthians, but really 1 Corinthians is the second letter, and 2 Corinthians is really the third letter, just so you know, because Paul, he's answering questions. In um, 1 Corinthians six times, there's the words, now concerning, what, da-da-da-da-da, and so he had already gotten questions from them. This is how they were being discipled. They asked questions, and then he's answering. Now concerning that question, I'm going to respond to it. Now concerning that question, I'm going to respond to it. So really, 1 Corinthians is the second letter, just to confuse you. But I thought that would be a good fun fact for when you're reading it this week. You can know um, that's why the now concerning, where did they find that, all right? Um, So let's go to chapter 12, verses 1 um, through 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. I want to pause here. In verses 4 through 6, it's showing the Trinity. That the Trinity of God, he's declaring, the Trinity of God is at work here. The Spirit does the gifts, which the word is charisma. The Lord, he serves the service of the Lord, and that's deacon. And then God is working, the energemia is the word, and it energizes me. So all three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are at work. The Trinity is working. So verses 7 through 11. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are at work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So today I'm going to go through all nine. We're going to go really fast, I promise. Um, But I want us to like look at all nine, but I want us to look at this whole thing. To each one is given, to each one is given, to each one is given. When you look at that in the Greek, in the moment that you need it, this one is given. 
So let's just say I am lacking wisdom and I need God to drop some wisdom in me. God, I need wisdom. In that moment, to each one is given. The moment when he sees that it's needed, it is given. Oh, sorry, I got this bloody finger. <laughs> to each one is given. In that moment, it's asking um, that we would receive the gifts of the Spirit. All nine is what we're supposed to go after. He desires for all of us to walk in all the gifts of the Spirit. And he distributes them as we need it. To each one it's given. So we're going to look at the words of Revelation. And those are word of knowledge, um, discerning of spirits, and the word of wisdom. Today I'm going to go through all nine. But in this moment, I noticed it last service too, and someone came up to me and told me that. I noticed I'm going to share a lot of testimonies, and we're going to read a lot of scripture. But the presence of God would just start to move. And if you're listening to one of these, and you're going, that's me. I need that, Jesus. Then ask. Say, this is the one I need right now for this thing in my life. Ask of him, lean on him, and say, Jesus, I recognize I need this. If it's a testimony you're going, that's what I need, then you take it. Because in Revelations, it says the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy for him to do it again. So you take that testimony and say, God, do it again in my life. So I encourage you, as this is, this is an interactive moving of Holy Spirit, what he's doing through the word of God today. Taste and see the Lord is good, right? <laughs> I have a friend who, as a new believer, she's not anymore, but she would say, how come at church I can't ask questions? You teach, and then all I want to do is raise my hand and ask 10 more questions so you could answer them. And I feel today that might be the case. <laughs> so just hold on to them. At some point, Jesus is going to reveal all the answers, right? <laughs> So we probably can't do Q&A today, but I know that opening this, the gifts of the Spirit and God starting to bring revelation to each one of us, there's a lot more questions that are raised, right? So first one, word of knowledge. To know something specific without natural means, but by the Holy Spirit, supernaturally. So you know at the end of the service, a lot of times we'll say um, we have a word of knowledge. This first service, it was like a curvature of the spine and a right ankle that needed to be healed. Those were words of knowledge of what God wanted to do in the service and what he wanted to heal. You know, Jesus walked in these gifts. He was fully man when he came to earth. And it's in um, John 4, it talks about when he meets the woman at the well, all of a sudden he has a word of knowledge over her. John 4, like 16 verses 19, kind of shares what the word of knowledge was. Jesus never met the woman before. So he's, this understanding came supernaturally, a word of knowledge about her. So verse 16, he told her, go call your husband and come back. And she replies, I have no husband. And Jesus says to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but the Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And he goes on. But in that moment, he had a word of knowledge. I'm going to share testimonies of some words of knowledge. Annika's friend, Justin, her boyfriend, actually, um, Justin had, he played D1 football and had major concussions. He had eight major ones. And, um, at the, after his eighth one, his brain just started to not work. He said it just like was jumbled. And so he quit football. And at the time, um, everyone was upset with him for quitting, but he knew he had to quit. And the only time he could start to get some understanding, he said, I would paint. He's an artist. I would paint and listen to podcasts. And as I did that, painting and podcasts 
I could listen and understand what was going on. And through the podcast, he found out about Bethel Church in Reading, and so he went to Bethel School of Ministry, he and his sister. So in this place, he's now, his brain is still, you know, kind of struggling. So he um, is the first week of school, and he can't really track. And all of a sudden, uh, Pastor Bill gets up, and he says, there's someone in here who has a brain injury. He goes, wait a minute. You've had six to eight concussions. I want those who've had six to eight concussions to stand. And in that moment, he didn't hear really what was going on. And his sister turns to him and goes, Justin, that's you. Stand up right now. And so he stands up. And as he's standing, they begin to pray. And he said, my brain just started. He goes, I could feel it. It started to rewire. I could start to think. I started to track. I started to understand. In that place, he got healed. But what was it? It was a word of knowledge being released for his healing. Another one, do you like these testimonies? If you need them, you take them. Ted and I were teaching um, at a healing conference in the cities in Minneapolis. And I cannot remember who was speaking at the time. But I remember we were towards the back and um, he said, metal plates need to be healed. And if you have a metal plate in your body, come up and get healing. So people were going up and all of a sudden he's standing there and goes, whose kid is this? And our friends who have eight children, one of their kids escaped and came up front and they didn't realize it. So, you know, we all need to help parent, right? Okay. So he's sitting up there and his dad is a physician and was very skeptical about all this. And the kid at birth, they put a metal plate in in his skull back here. And uh, it was causing him, as he grew, so much pain. He was in pain all the time, and he'd get migraines. And this thing, they can't remove it, they can't change it. It was just there, and the poor kid was suffering. In that moment of prayer, the pain instantly left, and so did his migraines. And he went home, and his his dad, who is his doctor, was totally skeptical, and he does scans on him, and guess what God did? The metal plate is still there. But before, when it was installed in his head, it was like railroad tracks. So they can't naturally make the curves. It was like these plates in there that would go kink, 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 kink to to curve around the skull. And today, after prayer, a word of knowledge and prayer, it's this totally smooth metal plate that fits to the skull. And he's never had a migraine or pain since. God did something. God does the unusual. He's the miraculous God. Who in here needs a miracle? Hold on to it. If you're thinking, I need a miracle over my health, that's who we serve. He is the God of miracles. Discerning of spirits, it's to be made aware of a demonic spirit. In the Greek word, it's to see through something. And it's to see the truth of what something is. When we were studying in Acts, when we went through all the miracles, we read a portion of this. But in Acts 13, at verse 7, we're going to read a little bit here about a discernment of spirits that took place. Um, the proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Bar- Bar- Barnabas, I'm sorry, you guys, and Saul, because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimaeus, the sorcerer, that's what his name means, sorcerer, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimaeus and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to go blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. And immediately the mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. 
When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Discerning of spirits. You know, there are spirits operating that aren't of God. Do you know that? <laughs> we need discernment. I know I've told you before, James Maloney, who's operated in so many incredible healings and the gift of healing, he says, I don't have the gift of healing. I have the gift to discern spirits. He goes, I can discern what needs to go and what needs to come. Jesus needs to move in. And I know in different times in prayer, I remember in places praying for people and you're praying for their shoulder and then all of a sudden it's their hip and then it's their knee and the Lord says it's a spirit of infirmity that needs to go. And as you pray against the spirit of infirmity, it leaves and all of a sudden they're instantly healed. And as the demonic goes and Jesus comes in, the healing comes. Pray that you can discern the spirits. It's a gift we all need. We know, need to know what's happening and what the truth is. All right, word of wisdom. It's a divine answer for a solution in a particular event. Acts 6, we talked about Stephen before he was being murdered, martyred, I guess it would be, murdered and martyred. He was being stoned. He spoke in Acts 6.10. He was a man full of God's grace and power, and he performed great wonders and signs among the people, and opposition arose against him. So in Acts 6.10, it says, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. As he was speaking, to each one is given. He was given, dropped in him the wisdom that he needed, the wisdom of the Lord. When we're doing um, our board meetings, there's a lot of times we stop and pause and say, God, we need your wisdom. We need you to just drop that wisdom and just give us clear direction on this. And you know what he does? He drops wisdom. All of a sudden, we get the direction of what we're supposed to go after. He is so good like that. He says, when we lack wisdom to ask, and God who gives generously without finding fault will give it to you. It's in James. You know, this wisdom is seen even in um, 2 Peter. Just as Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. Paul's writing these letters. It's because of the wisdom that God gave him. He imparted this wisdom into them. Do you lack wisdom today in areas of your life? Let's ask of God. Let him drop that in you. Declarative gifts, encouragement. I call them the encouraging gifts. Some people call them declarative gifts. Some people call them like um, gifts that are spoken. So they're prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. Are we all good? I'm cruising today, right? <laughs> all right. We got nine to get through. Hang in there. Six more. All right. Prophecy. A message of encouragement from God through a person to a per or other people. It's about encouragement. It's not, <clears throat> it's setting courage in. Thank you. A Band-Aid. Huh. See if it's, I think it stopped. <laughs> Crazy. All right. Um, and so it, the gift of prophecy. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, and let's see what the word says about it. As you're turning there, you know, seven of the gifts of the Spirit were in the Old Testament. The only two new ones in the New Testament are tongues and interpretation. So all the other seven were operating in the Old Testament. Jesus walked in them. I could show you in the scriptures, like, how Jesus walked in the gifts. But in the Old Testament, these operated as well. And you know, when we talk about prophecy, this is the ye may all prophesy. This is that kind of gift where God has given it and imparted it and everyone can prophesy. But you know, there's also the five gifts of Christ, the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, the apostle, and what did I miss? The prophet. Did I say them all? 
teacher. Okay, I don't know. There's five, you know. And so that's the office of the prophet. That's a whole different thing, and we're going to go into that later. But this is that gift of the Spirit. Ye may all prophesy that he can drop in that moment when you need it. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. It's for what? Strength, encouragement, and comfort. Do you know you need to step in the gifts of the Spirit because you also need to operate in the fruit of the Spirit? If these aren't coming out of the fruit of the Spirit, your stuff is going to be off. You guys have to, we have to be so close to Jesus and to his heart. Do you realize 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, the gifts chapters that Paul's teaching, but what he sandwiches in the middle is the love chapter. But the greatest of these is love, and that we would walk out in the gifts of the Spirit, but through the fruit of the Spirit. So we need to use prophecy for strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. It edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless they interpret so that the church may be edified. Prophecy is for edifying, for encouraging someone. There's so many testimonies that I could share, but I felt led to share this one about a group of young, it was teenagers, because my kids, when they were in high school, were doing this, and um, they were just going out for fun. They were treasure hunting. You know, if you want to come and do evangelism in our city come once a month we have this thing called love the city and it's so much fun but you're welcome to come that's what it is and this is what they did but they got a list they asked god give us a list of some words of knowledge they asked for words of knowledge is what they're asking before they go out and the list was furry boots pier one finances there are five things on the list and i can't remember all five so they went to they're like cruising around they thought okay we need to go to pier one so they went to pier one And they're stalking the aisles, like, or looking around. And all of a sudden, they see a lady with furry boots. They're like, she's the one. So then they start walking her, chasing her around, you know. And I thought, this poor woman, if she realized it. Anyway, she's furry boots lady. Let's go. And so they go over, and they ask her. And they said, hey, we're on. We're out here. We've been praying. And we got this list. And we feel like, are you struggling in your finances at all? And the lady just began to weep. And she said, I'm in the middle of a divorce, and it's even hard to feed my family right now. I came here just to, like, have a break. And so they begin to pray over her and prophesy into her life. They begin to bring encouragement. Just seeing that she was a part of a treasure hunt brought encouragement. But they begin to be prophesying into her life. And then they went to the next step. They left and prayed with her. She was weeping. God was moving. And they said, you know, they're teenagers. They all emptied out their pockets and said, let's just give her everything we have. (laughs) So they gave her all these coins and dollars that were crumpled up in their pockets. And they just said, here, we're just going to sow into this and for what God has for you. And she just lost it. You know, you have the potential to change history, the history of someone's life through the gifts of the Spirit. They're going along in a miserable place, and all of a sudden, encouragement comes in. It changes the course of what they're going for. It changes destinies, and salvation comes. The beauty of the gifts of the Spirit is when they preached the gospel, God poured out His Spirit. 
But when you step into the gifts of the Spirit, you can go and preach the gospel, and their heart is wide open to receive Jesus. Because all of a sudden, he met him in such an intimate and personal way. God is good. All right, tongues. The message from God, it's the language of unknown to people. The gift of tongues was given, you know, in Acts. They were filled with the Spirit. We already talked about it, and they were filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues. Tongues and interpretation is another thing. Let's go to um, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 23 to 25. This is for the whole church. All right. If the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquires of unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among us. When, the, when people are together, that's why um, Paul's bringing this correction. He's like, they were speaking in tongues, and there were people who didn't understand. And all of a sudden, he's like, you need to bring an interpretation so that it can encourage them because they, have, they think you're crazy. And so that's what happened. They begin to interpret what was going on. It's another word of prophecy for people in their life. Interpretation of tongues is in 1 Corinthians. And um, these are the two gifts that were in the New Testament that weren't in the Old. Understanding the thoughts and the intent is tongues. So as we interpret, it's understanding thoughts and intents of God not translation. It's not a word-for-word -word translation. It's understanding the thoughts and intent. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, it says, I speak in tongues more than all of you, and do not forbid the speaking of tongues. Oh, wait, 14, verse 5. Sorry, guys. I'm on the wrong verse. Anyone who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like you, every one of you, to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. It's for the body of Christ to be encouraged. Remember those things? Encouragement is key. It brings courage back into people, right? You know, the easiest thing is for us to hear. My sheep hear his voice, and they listen, and they follow me. The hardest thing is that interpretation, that it's streamed through the gifts, you know, that we're walking in that total humility before God, that we are in love with him, and that our love is being seen, that 1 Corinthians love. And the fruits of the Spirit are evident in our life. The interpretation is saying the thoughts and intents of God. So, the power gifts. Cruising along. These are fun, yes. I think we had two weeks of talking a lot about the power gifts. Now I'm going to bring the understanding as it is in the gifts of the Spirit. So Acts Church walked in these incredible ways. Are we in Acts Church? I want to see us walk in this, you guys. All right, first one, faith. Faith is a supernatural impartation, a belief or confidence for a specific situation. So think about it. When you get a bad report and all of a sudden you have faith to say, nope, the finances are going to be there. I believe that God's going to bring it in because you said it. And all of a sudden faith arises and you're thinking, this doesn't look normal. It shouldn't be the normal course of how things go. But all of a sudden faith is arising in you to say, yes, this is how it's going to be. Isaac, um, the first day he was in the hospital, we went to the it's okay to share this. <laughs> we went to the clinic and they instantly called 911 and um, ambulanced him to the hospital. And this is when he first got sick. 
And as things went from bad to worse, he was getting sicker and sicker and just worse and worse. Um, the physicians came out and they said, we don't think he's going to make it. We can't stop this. We think your son's going to die. All of a sudden, something rose in me and said, nuh-uh, he will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. All of a sudden, faith began to rise in me and say, that's not true. That's not what's going to happen. Cindy and Ted came in, and we all began to pray, and we're like, uh-uh, that's not the word of the Lord. And faith rose up to each one is given. In that moment when we need faith to arise, it's given to us. Anyone who lacks faith, we need to ask. Give it generously, God. We need faith to arise in our hearts over situations. How many people today have a situation where they need faith to come in, to arise, and to change the course of what it looks like for your health, for a job, for an unsaved loved one, for your marriage, for your family? We need faith to arise in us. To each one it's given. Gifts of healing. There's the supernatural where God pours out that divine health. In Psalm 103, one through five, praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Let's not forget his benefits. He forgives your sins and heals your diseases. I know this generation can almost believe their sins forgiven easier than believing that he heals all our diseases, not just some or a few, all. I want to step into that. That's where I want to be. When my heart is weary, I read Psalm 103, and I just think, I don't want to forget your benefits. I don't want to forget what Jesus died for. I want to remember what you did. And one of those is healing. And Jesus was the best example of this. I'm going to quickly go through some ways that Jesus stepped into healing. And then... um, the immediate, Matthew 8, 3, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Instantly he was healed. He came back fully, instantly. You know, we've seen testimonies and miracles of that immediate healing. I want to see more of them. I want to see us laying hands on people and instantly God touches and heals them. That's the standard that was raised in Matthew 8. Jesus, let's do what Jesus did. Instantly healed. In John 4, 52, it's a gradual. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. This is a really common thing. Dr. Randy Clark, who um, is one of the pastors over us, he talks about the gradual healing a lot. He says, I see a lot of people get healed on day three. He goes, I leave the healing services, you know, hundreds get healed. And then he thinks, just hurting about the ones that didn't get healed. He said, I just take them home and I pray. Like, why not all, God? Why not all? And he says, so many times I hear testimonies of things that happen in the next three days where they gradually get healed and they come to full healing. One of the gradual healings, um, Paul Manring, who's a good friend of this house, he started the medical conferences with us and he wrote a number of books, Kisses with a Good God, all kinds of stuff. Anyway, he's from the UK and he ministers in South Africa a lot. And he said... He's like, I'm going to tell you a testimony of gradual healing. He goes, you're not going to believe me in the natural, but you're going to believe that God is this good. He goes back to South Africa on a regular basis. He met this man who has an amputated leg right here. And he said, we prayed for him and nothing happened. 
So he went home that night, and he woke up in the middle of the night just in pain over his leg, was just hurting. And then he um, got up the next day, and guess what? His leg grew down to where a kneecap would be. And so then they prayed again, and they began, and he goes, every time I go back to South Africa, he goes, then God formed in the middle of the night a kneecap. So now it's down to here. And he goes, last time Paul told me about it, he's down to the shin. So this man is gradually getting a leg that's growing. Okay, I know, wreck your mind, right? I know, I know. So I trust Paul 100%. <laughs> Doesn't make up stories. But there's gradual healings that take place. I've seen it in bodies where they're being restored. It's almost like that Exodus principle where they need to take the land and their strength is being renewed. And as it's being renewed, they're gradually being healed. The spoken word, Matthew 8.8. 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy of you. You should come under my roof, but only speak your word and my servant will be healed. Just speak the word and it'll, he will be healed. We've seen this some of the major miracles we've seen weren't when we laid hands on someone and watched God do it. It was in that spoken word. I remember a man who was blind and he couldn't come for receive prayer, so we prayed anyway. And the next morning he calls, freaked out. He goes, I can see the TV. He'd been blind for eight years. We didn't even, we weren't in the room praying. We were like in another house praying. And he got his sight back. It's that spoken word. The presence of Jesus in Luke 5, 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Do you remember in Acts, cities were healed. Cities were saved. The presence of God was there to heal. The presence of God coming and healing. I dream about this, you guys. That all of a sudden the presence of God comes in this place and everyone leaves healed. That's something I'm contending for. I've said it before, but I want you to know I'm still contending for that day. We see it on a regular basis of people getting healed in the worship or during the word time. All of a sudden the word of God comes alive to them and they get healed of something that hurt them so badly. We see emotional healings and physical healings and spiritual healings just in the service because he's present to heal. You know, in worship, when we're worshiping and you sense God's presence or in the word, all of a sudden you're like, that's for me. You take it because you never know what he's doing. In worship, I hear people saying, all of a sudden the most painful things in my life start coming up. And as I give them to Jesus, he comes and fills that space and totally heals me. He's present to heal. When he shows up, there's healing in his wings. Anointing to heal in James 5.15, is anyone among you to, that's sick? Let them call the elders of the church and pray. They can put oil on them and pray for them. You can come up here anytime at the end of the service. The elders are here, life group leaders, and they're willing to pray. There's oil, they can anoint you. I was telling first service, I wasn't gonna tell this testimony, but a funny one. I remember when I was praying, uh, we were in a service and someone called Ted and I out and they're praying over us for healing and just prophesying over us. And the man took, there was a jar of oil. He took the jar of oil and dumped it on us. And I was like, oh my word. But that moment shifted the course of our destiny. I mean, it was literally one of those moments you'll never forget. And I don't recommend you dump a whole thing of olive oil on someone, but I'm saying that God can use it in that place, in that moment. 
the working of miracles, the divine interventions that alters the natural circumstances. Think about it. Where in your life do you need a divine intervention where natural circumstances are happening right now and you need divine intervention? You need a miracle. Think about those places in your life. They're not just physical healing, but they're in everyday life. You know, in Acts 4.33, it says, with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. Their performance of miracles and the supernatural followed them. Shadows were healing. Megan Heineman, who's saying right here today, her grandfather grew up um, with Ted's parents and um, his name is Leif Havik and he's passed away. His wife, Carol, is still alive. Her grandma's still alive. And they share so many testimonies of these miracles that took place. And they were farmers, and they had a farm, and they had a good crop one year. And all of a sudden, the hailstorm was coming, the black clouds. This was before Doppler radar and everything else. So he's standing out there, and he sees it coming on his field, and he's like, God, not today. And he began to just pray over his land and pray over his field. And he said, before his eyes, the clouds separated, went around his land, came back, and kept moving. It was... The normal course was not normal. It was miraculous. He shares about how their grain bins were filled. I'm just, I felt led to share this for farmers who, this, is, this falls rough, right? And I want to share some encouragement for our farmers. He shares a story of his grain bins being full. And all winter, he's bringing the grain to the elevator. And he knew when it would be out. And you know what happened all winter? It never ran out. He kept bringing grain and kept bringing grain and kept bringing grain. God changed the course into something supernatural. Megan just shared with me, um, Carol, her grandma, she's this radical Christian, just amazing woman of God. She's in her 80s now. And she said, she just went to the doctor and she was fully healed of diabetes. She's had diabetes for decades. And somehow in her 80s, God healed her. And she said, she's like, she's back to being 70 years old. She's just spry. And I was like, that's amazing. I want to say that. (laughs) For the word of God is not a word, but it's a power. The miracles, that energy, that power, that dunamis, that intervention of God you know, I want us to grow in the gifts of the spirits and I want us to grow in this maturity. And I know a lot of places where this happens is in that small setting. So I just want to share you with you what that means. In the Bible, there's this word, it's called ecclesia. And it's about the church. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it in Matthew 16 or where two or three are gathered together. I am there with them. It's this small setting, this ecclesia, this small place where we gathered. That's how Burning Heart started. Where does this little prayer meeting and the gifts of the spirit would grow? And you know what it says in Corinthians is to tell people when it isn't right. So someone prophesies over you and you're like in that safe place that, you know what, that's not right, but this part was. Because we need to grow in these gifts. It's a part of that growth and maturity. That's where we grow in them. It was actually a secular word by the Romans and the Greeks, but it was used. And it wasn't this corporate setting, the temple worship setting. It was the small group setting, what it was talking about. You know, we have the power to be influencers influencers in our city. That whole, when the gifts of the Spirit are for a reason, they're for the lost. Just like we led, read in 1 Corinthians. I can't talk today. Just like we read in 1 Corinthians, they're for the lost. They're for us to just encourage people and bring them closer to Jesus. They're to build one another up. They're to, 
move and to see God move within our city. Um, Bill Johnson, we just read this book, The Way of Life. If you need a good book, it's a good one. And one, I'm just going to quote him. We are governmental agents. You're called as ambassadors. We are governmental agents representing another world, releasing the reality of that world into this one with agreement and purpose. Do we, are we, know, do we know who we are? Do you know you're an ambassador, that you're a government agent releasing from that reality into this reality? Do you know that's who you are? You're supposed to bring healing. You're supposed to bring life. We're supposed to be carriers of hope, those carriers of freedom, because we have a solution. Jesus is his name. And as we lead people to him and we step out in the gifts, people are going to be encouraged. This week, as um, I went back to see my parents for a day, and Isaac came with me, and I'm telling on you again. I didn't know he was going to be here today. (laughs) It was neat, though. It was a good story. But as we were um, there, we went to this new pottery shop, and the potter had all his wheels and stuff for sale and different things, and we were talking and chatting, and all of a sudden, I turn around, and I see Isaac, like, arm in arm with this man, the, the potter, the potter, and he's praying and prophesying over him and blessing his business and just speaking into this guy's life who has, doesn't really have a grid for it. But the man, I mean, his countenance, just like, thank you. Thank you. He was just undone. And I thought, look at what he did. He stepped into a store and shifted the atmosphere where all of a sudden Jesus came in that room and brought encouragement and hope. You know, he planted a seed for this guy to come to know Jesus. You know, 1 Corinthians 14, it says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. We need to eagerly desire to walk in these. He even gave us access to say, eagerly desire it. It says it twice in there. So I want us to stand up and I want us to eagerly desire that we walk in the gifts of the Spirit. I want us to be used for the kingdom of God in this city. You know, so much happens outside these doors That's where it is. That's where we're having church. I want to see a city saved. Could a city be saved in a day? You know, he raised the question, could a nation be saved? We saw in Acts cities being saved in a day. You guys, we saw thousands coming to the church. Thousands in a day. Could it happen here in Fargo, North Dakota? I believe it could. We were studying the revivalists in discipleship school, and they're sharing in one of the revivals where 100,000 people got saved. And they're like trying to find enough churches to disciple them. I thought, God, let that be Fargo, that we're just struggling to find enough churches to disciple a new 100,000 that were saved. I'm like, yes, God, do it again in Fargo, North Dakota. Oh, I just dream about these things, you guys, where God would just move on us and we would take risk and say yes to him. And we would step in and to each one is given in the moment you need it. To each one is given the gift that you need in that moment. Let's just open up our hearts and you can raise your hands if you want to. And Holy Spirit, right now, I invite you to come. Lord, we eagerly desire to walk in the gifts. And some of us are saying, I have no grid for this, but God, you are so faithful to lead your people. You say, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They aren't gonna follow another, they follow you. So sheep, we hear you, we are sheep, and I know sheep are probably the dumbest animals right there with chickens, but God, we hear your voice. We are following you, and we aren't gonna listen to another. 
So God, I ask that you place in each one of us the gifts that are needed in the moment that they're needed. God, as we have walked through the scriptures in these nine, I know we are thinking, each one of us, of areas in our life we need you to move. So God, we say yes to you. We say yes, move in miracles, move in might, move in healing in this place, God. We desire to see where the presence of God and all were healed. We desire to see that encouraging prophetic word go out and people to get saved and healed and set free. Lord, are we in Acts Church where we seek you, Jesus, where we go after and declare the resurrection of who Jesus was and all of a sudden signs and wonders follow where their shadows were healing. God, we say yes to you and it starts right here right now with our yes. I ask for each one of us this week, divine encounters where we take a risk and stop and encourage someone. We speak to someone's life and encourage them. We pray with someone we would stop for that one. Wherever it's at, in our workplace, in a store, in our homes, that we would stop for the one this week, God. Make us so aware of you, Holy Spirit, that we would listen to your voice. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for doing a work in our lives. You are doing a work in our lives. We recognize it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.